Hello, friends. Welcome back to Ill Natured, a true crime podcast. This is Michelle. And I'm Alyssa. Today, Alyssa has part two. Welcome back, y'all. The John List case. Ah, um, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad to be in your ears this morning, night, noon situation we have going on here. Yeah. Uh, whatever time you're listening. Yes. If you haven't already, please go back and listen to episode one before this one because yeah. you're going to be very, 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 very bits confused if you do not. Mm-hmm. So don't be confused. Don't be confused. Go listen to part one now. Brief every overview, though, just to bring back the memes. Mm-hmm. Um, in part one, we discussed how John List grew up in a very strict, prideful Lutheran home, struggled with jobs throughout his life. He then met and married Helen, who is thought to have tricked him into marrying her by saying she was pregnant, ended up having three children together, moving to the infamous house in Westville, New Jersey, the Breezenal Mansion. And then we stopped at November 9th, 1971, after much thought he decided to kill his family members off one by one and then of course you know helen his mother patty fred john the children after murdering them he packed his things up he goes to sleep left the next morning so now that we're all caught back up we're gonna jump right into it and go back to the month and go into a little bit more description and detail in when they were found because I know I started part one off with like a brief paragraph about it. This is going to be a little bit more deeper dive. It was December 7th, 1971, like I said. Gradually over a few days to weeks, lights at the list home started to slowly go out and one of their neighbors began to notice. It was Dr. Bill Cunnick and his wife, Shirley. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Patty drama teacher Ed Iliana, who we'll talk about later, mm-hmm. had been concerned about the lights as well. He had been driving by the family home because he had been worried about Patty and the family's absence. Earlier that day, Ed had tried to tell police to go check everything out, but an officer only tried making some calls and wrote down that they were too shorthanded to actually go. Then that night, Ed Iliano and another drama teacher... <laughs> Teacher, you, yes, sister. She's spicing it up tonight. I've been talking way too long. Tita. Barbara Sheridan. Sheridan. Went to the the home themselves. They drove up to the house and parked the car in the driveway and sat for a couple minutes. Then Shirley Cunnick, the neighbor, noticed the car in the driveway and called police. It was about 10 o'clock at night, like I said, when officers George Selesnick and Charles Haller showed up. The Cunnicks and the two drama teachers expressed their concerns about the List family. Hmm. They actually were concerned that Alma was alone in the home and needed help because of her age. And during 1971, there was no I fall on and can't get up button. So they had believed that John, Helen, and the children had left. Mom. Mm-hmm. Sorry, y'all. I just looked up pics. Yeah. That was mm-hmm. Alma. Wow. Yeah. Go to the ballroom pictures. They believed Alma was in the house alone and possibly could have fallen and... Couldn't get up. Right. 
So, officers found an unlocked window off the side porch and crawled inside, followed by the drama teachers. The house was very chilled. There were no lights on upon entering the home, and only thing that they could see was a reflection from light off the second floor. Soft, organ funeral-like music was playing over the intercom, like I said in part one, and it was noted that there was a faint and foul smell in the home. They also saw dried blood on the pantry and on the hall rug, like I'd already said in part one. And then they went to the ballroom. And it was in complete darkness when they first went in. Like, there was no lights. So, Officer Selesnik flashed his, like, turned his flashlight on into the room and, like, scanned the room and saw the four bodies on the floor. They were covered in blood and their faces had been turned out of view. The the start of... The thermostat had been turned down so low that it slowed down decomp of the bodies, but they still could determine that they had been there a while. So even though they weren't rotting, they knew they at least knew they'd been there for a couple of weeks. Yep. He called for backup and specifically said he had discovered a mass suicide or a mass murder. He wasn't sure which one yet. Then he went in search of Alma and John. So he just found the four dead bodies and assumed he was going to find the other two in the house. Right. Officer Selesnik said he was scared the perp actually was still in the house. And he felt like the entire time he was walking through that someone was going to jump out behind every corner. Like, I get was scary. And that big old house, and the house is huge. I would be so scared. Like, I I couldn't imagine. He said that he thought about the movie Psycho the entire time because it Uh. was also popular at the time. Yep. After about 45 minutes of searching, when he opened a door off the side of the kitchen on the third floor is when he found the dead body of 82-year-old Alma. It was observed that Alma fell to her knees, then fell backwards as if she was trying to run away from someone. Mm. Dr. Kunick entered the home at this time and also wondered if there was something he could have done to prevent this, but there was no warning signs of any kind. The three kids were laying side by side with Patty and Fred laying on their sides facing each other. John Jr. was on his back with his hands in his gloves on his stomach, halfway wrapped up in a sleeping bag. Helen was perpendicular to her children about a foot above their heads closest to the doors and her arms were also above her head. I will post photos associated with the case for sure as always, but like I said, I don't know which which one of the scenes that I'm going to post. But if you choose to, go look it up on... Um, They're pretty graphic. They are graphic. Yep. So, I don't know which ones I'll post. I'll post some, but I'm definitely not posting... Close-ups. Like, oh, no, 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 no. None okay, of those. I mean, this is... Um, I'll definitely link um the podcast and... Something else vital to the case that officers found was his handwritten five-page note I mentioned in part one. Where was the note at? In his study, I think. Uh Uh-huh. So he didn't leave it, like, next to the bodies. No, no, no. I think they searched the entire house and they found it. Uh It was addressed to his pastor, and he had written down and confessed to everything that he had done to his family. In the note, he stated he knew what he did was wrong, but thought his pastor was the only person that would understand why he did what he did. He listed reasons, and I am going to read oh those reasons. Oh my gosh, he listened. List he listed 
reasons for yeah well list these these reasons are going to baffle you you are going to be blown away so reason number one he wasn't earning enough to support his family and addressed the bankrupt and welfare situation but then said number two the environment they would end up in an emotional distress the children would be put through knowing they were on welfare Number three, Pat was too determined to act and was worried that would affect her faith. And number four, Helen had stopped going to church and thought that that in itself would affect the children's attendance. He was sparing his family of the sinful effects of poverty and was sure they were all in heaven now. Sinful effects of poverty? Are you That's what he me? said. Ew. He then claimed if it were only one or two of these situations, they would have been able to make it through, but this was all too much to bear. He then said he knew they all went to heaven, but if he hadn't ended it now, that might not have been the case. He goes on about his family's arrangements, and he said that in his letter, he actually had planned on doing all of this on November 1st, All Saints Day. Mm-hmm. and said that he thought it would be an appropriate day for them to go to heaven, but travel arrangements pushed it back. He said he was leaving this fate up to God now, and he said it wasn't easy and only done after much thought. He ended his letter by saying basically he was saved and asked for prayers. Wow. Just wow. Well, let's back up and dissect this quotes a little bit more if you weren't all in on that. Um... And, like, I would love to hear your thoughts after. So, first, I thought it was interesting that he thought his pastor was going to understand why he murdered his entire family. Right! Like, no. And then he thought he was going to understand the reasoning behind it. No. One reason to kill your family is because you don't make enough money. I didn't think so, sir. And the thought of killing my own child because I didn't want to get on food stamps or unemployment, like, for reals, like, get a grip. Get a grip. He then claimed his kids were going to be in such shock if they had to live in lower-income housing. Like, yeah, a big cultural shock, but it's better than dying. That's so disgusting. Like, he is that that pride. Did you raise? Did Yikes. you? Well, did you raise such brats that they would have really been like that? Like that just speaks on your parenting. Pride. Yeah, it was his. Pride. It, it was his this pride. was a selfish act mm-hmm. to spare him. Well, and then his next point really was like, you're joking. Like, he used the fact that Patty wanted to act as an issue to, like, to you. He used that to kill her. Like, she wanted to be an actress. No, no, no. Sinner. He is a sinner. But keep in mind, he didn't mention the witch thing as if he didn't want to admit it out loud because it's an embarrassing thing. Yeah, or worry that the pastor was going to think, oh, no, they're not in heaven now. Like, you know, yep. like something like that. Uh-huh. He keeps going back to their church attendance, like church. Like, we all know church is amazing. Me and you both know. But it's not going to make you any less of a Christian or any less saved if you don't attend every right. single Sunday. Right. Absolutely. It doesn't make you any less of a Christian. No. You can worship Jesus in your own home without having to go to church. Yep. Right. But he's... He didn't like, think that. And a lot of people don't think that, but surely are you wrong? Yeah. Anyways, okay. after finding this letter, they realized the date on it was dated a month prior, like I had said. So this yeah. is when they 
like the light bulb started going off and they realized John List had a really good start. Like they're like, oh no. That's a long time. John List was able to disappear into the public. And another wild, wild twist in this case was once the investigation began and they were taking note of the crime scene, investigators realized that John had cut himself out of every single family photo that he could find. Excuse me? He admitted that he burned them and his passport in the grill because he knew police would need his image to spread around. And if they couldn't pass a photo around with his wand poster, it would be a lot easier to blend in and escape. He went through that entire house, snip, 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 cut himself out of every family photo so they couldn't find, oh they couldn't have gosh. any idea what he looked what like. And that bananas. Craziness. Golly. Two days later, John's car was actually found at Kennedy's airport, International Airport. And a running theory and rumor during this time was List had actually ran away to Germany. Now, facts to back that theory up was his passport was gone, which they didn't know he had burned it at the time. Yeah. But it was gone. He actually spoke German. He was uh, a German-American. That might have been a smarter move for the idiot. Yeah. If he wanted to get away. Right. He had distant relatives there, and he actually visited Germany before, so it was somewhat familiar. Right. A worker at the German consulate. Consulate? Consulate, yeah. Woohoo! Go, girl. When, for me, yeah. a man that looked like List was inquiring about a German visa and said he was leaving soon and traveling alone. He has a very specific look to me. John List does. Mm-hmm. He's just basic, though. Well, um, not the name. In the 70s, though? I don't know the shape of his face. I don't know. I don't know. The glasses. He also added that he spoke German. So, FBI officers and local investigators really looked into this theory. Back in Westfield, there were tons of theories floating around about what or where John List was now. And another theory that people don't really believe was... But the FBI actually looked into this tip. But this tip suggested that John List was actually D.B. Cooper, the plane hijacker. But, of course, that was debunked. Not true. I hope we're going to get, that one's going to get That'll be bananas. Yeah. Luckily for the FBI, he missed one photo in the house. And they were also able to obtain another photo from a church directory. Nice. Then they started blasting that every, everywhere. Every piece of information they had on John List, his face, it was all over the place. Mm Mm-hmm. Little did they know, John List was not D.B. Cooper. He was not in Germany, and he did not even get on a plane to escape. Like, uh-huh. he did not even get Ride on a plane at Kennedy Airport. No. Mm. He did easily change his identity and his name and started a new life. When his family was discovered, way back later on, right? John List had changed his name to Robert P. Clark, and he was living in Denver, Colorado. Just sounds like a fake name. Okay, you you want to talk about Robert P. Clark? Hold your horses. While we're holding our horses. P.S. Okay, let me just ask you this. You've seen Hocus Pocus, right? Yes. Okay, good. Phew. You plan to watch Hocus Pocus 2? At the end of this month, yes. Or are you going to see it in the theater? I'm going to watch it on Disney+. Plus. It's not coming out in the theater? No. I think it comes out on Disney+. Plus. I don't know. Liam was asking if we were going to see it. And I was like... I could be wrong. I thought it was Disney Plus. I mean, I don't know. So, well, 
You go ahead. You look into that. Anyway, so Robert Clark, you want to know where he got that name from? You that doesn't sound familiar to you? Uh. Uh-uh. Oh well, it was John's classmate back in college, and one of the ones that said he remembered having a like he had a hard time remembering who John List was, but John List used his name. Uh-uh. And his new identity. Hmm. He changed his name to Robert P. Clark. He was living in Denver because he wanted to see the mountains. He was just living his life. Ugh. After right. leaving the mansion, he had parked his car at the airport to throw a police off, which mm-hmm. he did. And he took mm-hmm. trains and buses to Denver by buying tickets under different fake names. And he started in a hotel room. Like, he ended up living in a hotel room for a moment. Yeah. He grew a mustache and started oh. dressing casually. And he actually got a job as a restaurant line cook. Okay. Now, why did he not do that in the first place? Right. I, I mean, I don't know, but to make sure that he kept in hiding, he kept a lower totem pole job, and he worked. Yeah. A cousin of his actually said that he assumed, like, police, that John had gone overseas and would actually go stay at the hotel John worked at when they were on ski trips and never ran into him. Uh-uh. Someone could have discovered him so much earlier if they would have, like, bumped into each other. Wow, that's crazy. John paid cash for a trailer. Not a mansion. And for the first time in his entire life, he was not going to church. He was trying to low low and not get discovered. Oh. Mm. Bob Clark started to let his guard down, though. Uh, He started to make friends and started actually working in an accounting firm years later. And by 1976, he went back to church. And in 77, the following year... When he was around 61, 62 years old, he met Dolores Miller. She was actually only 35 years old and was divorced. And they met at singles meet at the Lutheran Church. Yikes, he wasn't handsome. Am I missing something here? Apparently. Oh. I am. T- I'm missing it too. Yeah. So, uh, he told Dolores that his first wife died of cancer and that he never had any children. And he was able mm. to do what he wanted with his time and take it slow with Dolores like he wasn't able to with Helen. They actually dated for eight years before they ended Golly. up being married in 1985. When he was the year I was born. Yep, he was married that year. They yeah. moved in together that year and Wanda Flannery was the couple's neighbor. Now, they're still living in Colorado at this time. She's going to play a very, very, very big part later on. So, remember this queen's name. Wanda. This queen. Wanda Wanda Flannery. Please wear your crown. Okay? So, Dolores and Wanda were really, really good friends. And they were always at each other's houses. Besties like us. They were us. So, she thought Bob was normal. Just, you know, her friend's husband. Whatever. Um, Unfortunately for John slash Bob, things started going downhill because that's, of course, the Johnless way of doing things. Mm -hmm. Um, He got fired from his counting job, and by 87, he was starting to go broke yet again. He decided to go back a little bit closer to the East Coast and interviewed at jobs in Virginia, where he met Helenette. Okay. He got one doing tax returns in Richmond and was removed and was moving back to Virginia where he met Helen 36 years prior. Mm. When Bob first moved to Virginia, Dolores stayed behind until he found a house to buy. Mm-hmm. And so he rented 
from a dude named Wally Parsons. And they actually became pretty good friends during his time that he was living in his house. John List continu continuously wrote letters to Wally over the years as well. So that is a testament to their friendship. Right. Wally's son remembered him being kind of nerdy and always praying. And he said that he was calm, serious, but he seemed intelligent. Finally, the couple found a ha house that they liked and they were reunited. Mm. It wasn't anything spectacular, but it was within their means, which is something that him and Helen nice. should have done in the first place. Okay. But anyways. None of this mess would have happened. I'm saying. They joined the local Lutheran church. They were described as shy and introverted, but they were devoted to each other, but not in an overly lovey in public sense. Just they were committed to each other. Right. But kept to themselves. Mm -hmm. Bob did dote on Dolores at work all the time and called her every day at lunch. He told people at church that he taught Sunday school back in New Jersey, which was shocking that he seemed to just be willy-nilly about him living there. Yeah. And back mm -hmm. in Westfield during this time, police were still on the case, even though they had not had a good lead, really. Right. The FBI considered him one of their most wanted suspects during this mm -hmm. time as well. And over the years, police... When police officers would go on vacation, they would send back postcards to the homicide unit, pretending to be John List. Mm -hmm. They would write things like, having a good time and wish you were here. And it was getting to the point John List seemed to be becoming a figment of everyone's imagination, even right. though he was most definitely real. Barney Tracy just had a feeling he ended up being a detective later on. He just had a feeling that he was still out there, though, and he was convinced that John List was going to end up showing back up. In Westfield one day. Mm. He actually would go visit the family's graves on the date of their births, mm. thinking that List would show up. And he always checked the tags of new flowers, seeing if John had left yeah. something. But it was always a fan or a friend or a family, you know. Yeah. Police kept trying, they never gave up. Now there was a 15-year anniversary article actually published hoping to spark some tips, but nothing mm. came of it. Mm. Nothing was working, and they were no closer to finding John List. That is why they decided they needed to try something a little different than usual. So first, they tried a psychic. Yeah. Detective Jeffrey Hummel goes and sits down with this psychic, and she told him that she felt that he did not leave by air, but by train or bus. Mm. So Sometimes that was true. I was about right. to say that was true. Sometimes they guess right. Mm. Then I felt a presence in the southwestern United States. Then one in the southeastern part in or around Virginia. They specifically named Virginia. Mm. So all she also ended up saying that she thought there was a woman in his life and felt pretty certain that he would visit the gravesite on his birthday, on John List's birthday. So some of this is convincing, like I said, to us, because he did leave by a bus and train. That's right. Um, and he is with Dolores right now. But he hadn't moved to Virginia quite yet when this was given, like this reading was given. Um, so, I mean, if you believe in her seeing the future, I guess she could have done that. But yeah. he took what she said about visiting the graves on his birthday. And he set, they ended up setting up like scouting for John's 60th birthday. It was a stakeout. Yeah. They ended up hearing footsteps that night, but it just, it wasn't 
It wasn't John List. It was just somebody else. And they did stake out the next night, but nothing ever happened. Yeah. Now, their last option was trying to get the John List case case on America's Most Wanted. Yes. This was around the show's beginning. Um, it was an underdog, but it got popular fairly quickly. Yeah. People loved it, and it became one of Fox's longest-running shows. The show made everyone watch because they needed the public to help catch fugitives, and it actually worked. Like, they yeah. ended up catching a lot of people, really. Uh, we used to watch, and I'd me be like, too. I would watch some of these people re-ones. around me. We once these people around me, I was like, oh, I want to get these yes. I want to yes. blast them. So, in 1988, the detectives reached out to the show in hopes to get the list murders out there and to catch John himself. They thought, why the hell not? I mean, like, why can't we try? Yeah. But producers actually said no. And they thought the case was too old. There was no updated pictures of John List. It was, there was just no inkling of where he was. They just had nothing. Uh It was an 18-year-old cold case. But they didn't give up. They tried again at a police conference. In January of 1989, the investigators spoke to the show's executive producers, and he showed him the crime scene photos and went over the case with him. They finally agreed to do the show, but they wanted a lot. They were asking a lot of Barney Tracy. So, Barney Tracy actually and his family were in the reenactment because Tracy was so excited and optimistic that this would finally lead to John's arrest. Mm. His co-workers were pretty skeptical, but, I mean, that wasn't new. A lot of people were. Yeah. And another person that was really, really skeptical was actually John Walsh. Yeah. The host of America's Most Wanted. He said that it was a stretch because no one had any idea where John was at, what he looked like. And he was just confused because there was no updated pictures, no leads, no DNA, nothing. John Walsh. Sorry about that. What you say? What's ease? But John Walsh did agree to do this case. Um, and when he got involved... He said, wouldn't it be cool if we caught this guy? Because, quote, you have to be such a despicable monster. End quote. He was mm-hmm. flabbergasted that he was able to kill his own children. And you and we all know yes. John Walsh's story. Adam. So, yeah. he was just. Uh, yeah. Right. The next obstacle in the way was showing the public what this guy looked like. Because, like I said, they didn't really. I mean, they had two pictures, but they were 20-plus-year-old pictures. So, they had no idea what he looked like now. Luckily, John Walsh knew of a little someone-someone who could take these old pictures and a profile to sculpt what John List looked like current day. So, if you listened to the Boy in the Box episode, if you were here with us, you heard me briefly talk about Frank St. Bender. You know, that's what we nicknamed him in our our episode. Who? I feel like Michelle doesn't listen to me, guys. Yes, I do, so. Yeah, I remember. I remember Frank the Tank Bender. Okay. It's familiar. I just be forgetting. Me. Okay. Well, he would let me let me brief let me let me brush you up, girl. Please. He was a forensic artist and was able to sculpt busts of fugitives for years. He even did sculptures of missing children, the boy in the box, and people based 
only on the their thing. skulls. Exactly. All Bender had to go on was three old photos. And he had to age this man in these photos. With nothing to go on. He didn't have a computer to generate. Exactly. This was a 40-year-old man he had to age to his mid-60s. He said that the last moment that he turned the corners of his mouth down because he was feeling guilty. So when he was doing the sculpture, I guess he had his mouth a different way. And then he said at the last moment before he ended it, he ended up turning the corners of his mouth down because he knew that John Lewis was feeling guilty. And that's how he thought he was going to look because he was scared he was going to get caught. He worked with forensic psychologists to work on a profile. And this the, the perfect finishing touch was a pair of old glasses that he found at an antique store because he thought that John List would still be wearing the same glasses to tie him back to his old life. Uh-huh. Maybe. Now, this episode of America's Most Wanted aired on May 21st of 1989. It was actually a Sunday. John Walsh started the episode by saying that they were about to see the oldest case that they had ever done on the show. This was season two, episode 66. This was something that has never happened before. They showed the clay bust made by Frank Bender. Of course, I'll post picture, pictures of this. Yeah. Um, you saw it, right? Yes, I saw well, it. Didn't that look like him? Yeah, it's crazy. Like, what an outstanding guy. job, right? Yeah. So now you know how hyped I was about this freaking sculpture. Like, that looks like his head. Yeah. What? I mean, even to his glasses. Like, it's mind-blowing that he used, like, a yeah, 20-year-old picture and a profile to yeah. create that. Frank the Tank out there winning. For us all. Mm-hmm. So... During this episode, John Walsh was standing with the bust of List and going over the crime. He even spun around the bust to show the scar on the back of his head. That's how detailed this was. They had Westfield officers Barney Tracy and Kevin Keller answering the tip line live on the show. Because they did that on the show, you know, at the end. Like, they'd show, like, the... Some of the officers associated with the case, they'd call and they'd be talking with officers that were on the case. Yep. And they also had, like, detectives from the prosecutor's office and the FBI agents as well. They had tons and tons of tips, thousands of calls on where or who John Liss could be. Mm. They distributed tips based on the area about where he could be and gave them to corresponding officers. So that's how they divvied up the tips. Yeah. People all over the world were watching this. Detectives, people of Westfield, and the most interesting interesting thing about this whole situation is way on over in uh, Virginia, John mm-hmm. List was also watching. <gasps> he watched it? Mm. Uh, John List was said to have loved America's Most Wanted. Like, loved it so much so that he told neighbors and friends mm-hmm. to watch it, like, all the time. He admitted mm-hmm. later on that he always wondered if they were going to show what he did on the show. Like, he was always wondering if he was going to just see himself one night. Uh-huh. And that thought only came through his head. Like, he, he thought, like, I wonder if I'll ever end up on America's Most Wanted. That came two months before his episode actually aired. John was, like I said, watching the night that this aired and said he was really surprised how accurate the bust was. And he was like, oh, I didn't know they had technology to do this. Like, yeah. He was like, oh. One more important person that was watching that night was uh, Wanda Flannery. The old neighbor from Denver. Remember her? I remember Wanda. <laughs> so she was in her living room with her daughter and son-in-law 
arguing while watching this episode. She was convinced that Bob Clark was on that TV. Okay. They all recognized him and were in complete shock that they had been living by mass family annihilator. Like, without knowing. Crazy. Wanda. And, and he married Wanda's best friend. Yeah. Dolores. So, Wanda was too scared to call in fear of retaliation from Bob or John List or whoever you want to call him. So, her son-in-law was like, screw that, I'm calling. This was only 20 minutes after the show ended that they got this tip. 20 minutes. Dang. Randy said that they seemed kind of skeptical, but he said, quote, you can look into it or don't believe me, but this is the guy, end quote. Even a week after the episode aired, John List was still out and about. Like, he was not in custody. He was not scared. He was living his life. This is, uh-huh. he was cocky. He was cocky. Yeah, okay. June 1st, 1989, though, things were all going to change. Mm. This was only 11 days after the episode aired, and it was a Thursday when two detectives from the Fugitive Task Force in Richmond, Kevin August and Randy Nidecker were doing routine address checks to look for fugitives. They were following a tip from America's Most Wanted they received, and mm. Kevin August said he wasn't expecting anything to turn up. Typically, these leads were, like, just dead ends. Right. Um, so, they had walked up to the three-bedroom ranch-style home, and the woman answered the door and said, yeah, this was, you know, yes, I'm Dolores Clark. My husband is Robert Clark. He's at work. What can I do for you? Mm. She wasn't really told anything about why the detectives were there, except that they wanted to look at photos to rule him out. Mm. She invited them inside, showed them, you know, a wedding photo. And it was a perfect match. Yeah. Kevin August was in shock. He also thought back to the bust on America's Most Wanted, and he just knew that he had the right guy. He said it was unbelievable how similar they were. The detectives knew they had the right guy, but try not to let Dolores know. So they tried to keep their cool and told her, you know, they didn't think it was the same guy, but they still wanted to have a chat with Robert to confirm. Right. Detective August got his office address, and Detective Nidecker stayed with Dolores so she couldn't call him and warn him about the detective's run so he couldn't run. Yep. But Detective Nidecker, Nidecker said that she, like, he, it was very clear that she had no idea who John List was. Like, she had no idea that she was married to him. Yeah. Like, it was just nothing. Like, he, she just had no idea. Right. So, like I said, remember this is in 1989. There was no cell phone. So, August is, like, sprinting out of this house trying to find a payphone, calling for backup. The agents meet at Clark's office, and they walk in together. They barely have a chance to speak with the front desk associate when they look up and see John List strolling down the hallway, ever so calm, with a stack of papers in his hands. Mm. Detectives immediately get him to put his hands up and put them on the wall. They start questioning him, and they said it seemed like he was empty, like it was just... One detective described it as a vessel while they were talking to him. Like he was just dead, like just there. That is phew. Yeah. Yeah, like completely cut off completely detached okay he wasn't phased there was no reaction no fighting no confessing nothing after they cuffed him and confirmed his scars 
the detectives knew that they had the fugitive they had been looking for for the past 18 years. They that had him in custody. Awesome. So while agents are on the way to the station, August asked what kind of man he was to kill his mother, his wife, and his three children. Okay. Up and leave, start a new life, and not feel any bit of remorse. John Lusk just kept staring out of the window, and Detective August said he saw one tear roll out of his eye. Mm. He could say because he was caught. I'm wondering. Mm-hmm. He continued to not say a word or confess who he truly was. The agents bring John List, who's still claiming that he's Bob Clark at this moment. He, they bring him into the station where he was finger, fingerprinted. And, of course, they get a perfect match. So there was no denying his identity now. Everyone who had been involved with this case, they were they were finally able to breathe. There was there was no way they were going to, like, he was never going to walk out no. of that police station mm-hmm. they had caught him and they were able to finally serve justice after 18 freaking years yeah. like that's bananas i just hate that he got to live for and yeah and remarry yeah and experience happiness and uh, yes sick when john list was finally in custody and the news spread like wildflower it mm-hmm. was what every newspaper and station wanted to report on, of course. Right. The Star Reporter sent out two different journalists, one to Denver and one to Richmond, to speak with neighbors and get a better feel for how John List was as Bob Clark. Mm-hmm. When Gabe Gluck was knocking on doors a day after the story broke, he just happened to stumble across Wanda Flannery. He didn't even know she lived there. Mm-hmm. So this is important to note because no one knew where the tip had even come from. Mm-hmm. Like, it was Wanda. Busted it wide. He open. had no idea who he just stumbled across. All Wandas are great. She, I know. They are. They are. Yeah. She greeted him and welcomed him inside and she started telling him the story of calling the FBI, giving the tip that nice. caught John List. So, this is when she tells Gabe that this wasn't the first time she actually suspected Bob Clark to be John List, which is really interesting. Really? She said it was a few years earlier when she was reading a story in a tabloid in the grocery store when she thought she recognized John List as her neighbor. Hmm. Now, fun side fact about this, when this first came out in the tabloid a few years earlier, Gabe Gluck had recently written the 15-year anniversary article that busted when he received a call from a dude in Florida wanting to use his story. So, Gabe Gluck writes the 15-year anniversary story. It doesn't get anywhere. No leads. Well, a dude from Florida calls wants to use his story, steals it, and he walks in a store the next day and sees it in a tabloid everywhere. So, you can say he was not a happy camper, but... She ends up seeing that tabloid and telling Gabe she'd seen it and thought it was Bob Clark. But she, and she actually showed it to Dolores. Um, but uh-uh. Dolores was like, that's that's absolutely not him, Bob Clark. Bob, Bob Clark. Bob could never. Bob he could just never do that. It just isn't him. Right. She ended up forgetting about the whole thing until the American America's Most Wanted episode aired. And when she saw the episode, she wasn't sure it was him. But her son-in-law gave the detectives everything they needed. John List's new alias, his new address. Bam. Everything. The guy's in custody. Custody. (laughs) (laughs) This guy was in custody and it was a dream. What does that even mean? I don't know. I'm making things up. I don't like it. We'll make a new word. (laughs) Custody. 
Now that we've discussed all of those deets, let's bring it back to real time. Uh, he's in jail. He has to have a fugitive hearing. Well, the whole issue in this John maintains that he's Robert P. Clark, not John List. He refused to admit it. So in court, they pled the fifth so his attorney could buy more time. List is sent to a small cell in the county jail. It was said he was given a thin gown and he balled up in the fetal position. A thin gown? I don't know, but like, what the heck? Die. Um, I forgot his name. Bob, whatever we're calling him. Well, John List, I guess. We're just I'm just, you know, using it here and there, whatever I'm calling him, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but all this is happening. Dolores is still reeling. Like, she can't even understand, like, what's going on. She doesn't, yeah. un- like, she just, she's been married to a murderer for he years. He could have killed her any day. Yeah. But she had no idea. Like, can uh-huh. you imagine? Can you, right now, let's think about this. Yeah. Will, after 20 years, can you imagine something like that? Finding no. out something like that? It would be crazy. Like, yeah. Because you would still have, I imagine, You'd still have love, feelings, you know? They didn't kill you, your family. Well, well, let's say Will murdered someone 20 years ago, and you're finding out about it now. Like, wouldn't that be bananas? And then, of course, like, your first instinct is like, no, he didn't. Like, he, like, that's not him. Of course. And then, his, his own blood relation, his own children, his own mother. Yeah. Who he literally was his walking wife. in the church holding hands with when he was a kid. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. People called him a mama's boy. <laughs> Crazy. That's intensity. Crazy. So, Dolores was completely in the dark when it came to John's past. Bob's past. Whatever. Many people mm-hmm. thought she had... She's like... Many people were like, there's no way she didn't know. But, like, she really didn't. From, like, all the sources See, and everything. See, me, I'd be... look. If, if, you know, you got an older man, you don't know anything about him. Hello, background check. Like, Do you I think she not... was thinking about that in 71, though, or 76, no, 77? Is she yeah. 77? I guess you're right. I'll, I, like, I gotta know. I gotta know all And let's be past. real. Do you really think she even had heard of list murders? Like, do you think it spread that far? Colorado. You would never think, no, that wouldn't even enter into your, mm-mm, mm-mm. it wouldn't. Nope. Soon after, Dolores and their pastor went to actually visit John. Oh. Uh, this was two days after his arrest, is what one source said, and he was actually on suicide watch. Mm. He had talked with her for an hour, and he was crying as he talked about the, his kids. He was actually confessing things to her. He said he always kind, he was he said he was always kind and gentle except that one time. And he told her to sell her story to the tabloids and then started from the beginning. Now, other than this private one-time meeting, John List still maintained that he was Bob Clark. So he was eventually extradited back to New Jersey. And the prosecution was having to prepare, like, they were still having to prepare to prove his real identity. Yeah. In court. In court. In court. <laughs> But the officer overlooking List the day of his confession to Dolores came forward. Nice. And told them everything and even added that List never mentioned anything about saving their souls or any of the other bullshit he mentioned in the letter. Okay. So, if it were really the reason, why would you not say it now? Yeah. He blamed it on Helen and money. 
That's what he told Dolores. Mm. Like, can like can you right now believe he just unloaded all of that on his wife while he's in jail and blames it on his ex-wife who he murdered and the fact that he didn't have any money? So, hang on. I just had a really random thought. Tell me. Did John get syphilis from his wife? We know he lay with her because of their children. It doesn't say. Maybe he sought treatment. I don't know. Huh. They probably didn't have much sex after uh, well, the kids. The kids, yeah. And if it was in like a dormant state. I don't know. I was surprised I didn't pass it on to the children, really. And I tried to like research it a little bit, and I just was like, Ooh, I'm not going to. It's a, little, it's a lot. But, right. Just curious. Anyways, let me continue. But, yeah. I'd, I'd be like, ooh, sweeter. I'm going to have to step out and call my divorce lawyer. Yeah, goodbye. My divorce. Div- <laughs> You're on it today. I love it. I have to go call my divorce lawyer. Bye. Like, I don't even know that I would want to see him. I don't know if she ever did after that. Mm. After because he told her. I mean, yeah. she didn't handle or process any of that information very well. Yeah. Uh, and she continued being bombarded by reporters. His attorney, David Baugh, held a press conference to allow... Baugh! Baugh! Okay, sorry. Held a press conference to allow Dolores to speak in hopes it would keep people from harassing her. Like, if she could answer these questions, maybe they would leave her alone. And in this press conference, she told everyone she didn't believe it, and this was at least a week after his arrest. It was definitely true, but she was in straight denial. This is a direct quote I stole from the New York Times article I read that came out June 3rd, 1989. Mm -hmm. This is not the man I know, Dolores Clark told the Richmond Newsletter. Quote, the man I know is kind, loving, a devoted husband, and dear friend. I hope somehow this is not true, and if it is, he was so stressed out that something snapped. I am devoted to him. I hope that somehow God will see us through this, end quote. Ooh, Delory. Delory! <laughs> Come on, Seth. Someone even said later that Dolores seemed resentful towards Wanda or whoever uh-uh. for a period of time afterwards because she loved him so much. And this stole her husband away and took her life. Like, I feel bad for her that she fell in love with him, like, yeah, and, like, had known this man for... The fact that he had killed well, four people cancels that love. No, well, the, what I'm saying is I feel bad for her because she fell in love with him without knowing all of this. And then... Right. Yeah, I mean, but... Mm. Dolores, you gotta leave that baggage behind, sis. Well, mm. I think she ended up being embarrassed, even though it wasn't really her fault, you know? Um, And a lot of emotions. Well, and people still thought she knew something after his initial arrest. Yeah. And, like, she was still visiting him and not really talking about things from what I could find. She ended up moving to two different states, though, after his arrest. And whether or not a legal divorce was given is not clear. Um, I mean, she was technically married in the first place or not. Like, I mean, Robert Clark wasn't a real person. Like, so is the... the Right. Was it really legit or is it canceled because he's not real? I don't really know. Yeah. Cancel it and they'll give a little stamp. Canceled. Canceled. Fake divorce. Fake marriage. You wouldn't have to pay for a divorce. 
and you could have silver it, lining. And you could have it probably wiped off your record that you ever even married because it wasn't real. Yep. But now that John List is caught and brought back to New Jersey and facing trial, his attorney's next step is to make the jury believe he was not in his right mind. It could not logically think through his situation. Shut up. I know, right? Not necessarily claiming insanity, but he just couldn't really grasp what he was doing. I know. Like, really, you're saying a grown man it can't grasp what he's doing? It was premeditated. How many steps did he go through? Oh, well, that's what we'll get into, especially yeah. in his letter when he claims he was going to do it about eight days prior. Ugh, yeah. Gross. Um, so, this was an effort to avoid the life sentence, even though this is exactly what he deserved and probably more, let's be real. Mm -hmm. He could do as little as ten years if they could pull off this what? this plea. Ew. Elijah Miller, his attorney, was fighting hard during that trial, but Eleanor Clark was doing harder work. Okay, okay. Her goal Please. is to put this sob behind bars for the rest of his days. His DA tried extremely hard to get that confession thrown out. The evidence that was like given to them on a golden platter. Mm -hmm. uh, there is no denying what he did. Their first attempt at getting the letter thrown out was based off conflicting stories about how the letter was actually found. What does it matter? So, Ed Iliano said he was he went in first without police, which is illegal because it's breaking and entering. But he never went in without police. But that's what Ed Iliano claimed. Luckily, Judge Wordheimer said that police were in their rights to enter the home, but then Miller said it was inadmissible under the priest penitent privilege, which basically protects letters, calls, communication in any form to a priest or pastor with the letter written secretly. The ret the writer oh shucks, <laughs> with the letter writer seeking spiritual counseling. So Miller, the attorney, was saying that this confession letter written to the priest was private and protected under this law and could not be used against him because he was seeking counseling. What? The letter should have only been seen by a priest, is what he claimed. Yeah, but it wasn't. Okay. Okay, and Judge Wertheimer cited against the motion because it was very clear John List abandoned the property and the and letter. The le now, if you, it was mailed or left in the private study of the priest, it would have been a little bit seized different, but it wasn't, so that okay. didn't fly. Yes. This is when he finally agreed that he was John List, and in Miller's last efforts, are trying to argue that List was acting under a diminished mental state. So that is where the trial started. Dang. So give me that brief rundown. What do you think about all that? Sees. Well, I mean, you said he admitted. Finally, after that, they couldn't get the letter thrown out. They tried twice to get it thrown out. They're going to try whatever they can, hopefully. And then he finally admitted it, and now they're saying that he was under a diminished mental state? Surely. Being stressed out because you don't want to get right. off your ass and work lots does not people, give you the right to murder your family. Right. That's not... Surely that didn't fly. Surely. He's got to be dead, right? I'm over here thinking, like... What happened to this guy? Is he dead? Is he in prison? Uh, we'll get to it, Peter. I don't want to ruin, ruin the story. Okay. I'm excited tonight. 
Before his trial, John List was interviewed for four hours by the psychiatrist I mentioned earlier, Stephen Simran. He was actually hired by the prosecutors. He described List as courteous, soft-spoken, calm, and precise. But he also concluded that John List saw this as something that had to be done. Like, his th- these murders had to be done. He expressed zero remote remorse for what mm-hmm. happened. It was just like a chore. It was a, a box that he needed to get checked off his list. Mm-hmm. List even made the comment in the interview that, quote, I think I did a fairly good job. I certainly loved them all, end quote. Excuse me? Yeah. He also admitted that he considered suicide, but that was a mortal sin, and he thought he would go straight to hell if he killed himself. Oh, so murdering five other humans yeah. is it a mortal sin? Oh, what? I'm confused. He thought he could do it and then immediately ask for forgiveness. Yeah. In cases like this, I, I hope that, that that's not the way it works. <laughs> that's really I'm not, not the way. I'm not going to run into this fellow whenever I get to heaven one day. Okay. Yikes. Yeah. Um, eek. Mm. After the interview, Simmering said List had obsessive compulsive personality disorder. Mm. Now, I googled it, and the disorder is defined by extreme perfectionism. Check. Order. Check. And neatness. Check. People with OCPD will feel a severe need. (laughs) Why did you look down like that? Well... I have some tendencies. No, I don't. Oh, are you OCPD, ma'am? I used to be. Do you really? Yes. I can't leave dishes in the sink, and it's not like I get anxiety if I... Sometimes, I've, I've only done it I, maybe I, twice in my adult life. I'm going to sleep with the dishes in the sink. I'm doing it. I can't. Like, I physically can't. Well, that's good. I lay down, and I have to get back up. That's yeah. good. At least you're tidy. Yeah. You're not a pig. You know, roaches love to take baths and dishes that are soaking in the sink. That's you heard what I said. the grossest thing you've ever told me. <laughs> you heard what I said. Same if you don't wipe the stove down every night. If I don't wipe mine, that's when I envision and it makes me cringe. <sighs> yeah. Oh, dude. I set the, I load the dishwasher every night. <laughs> yeah. But if there's dishes left over, I don't hand wash them. Hell no. You call me, all right. Now I'll be worried about Alicia's, Alyssa's dishes Are every night. Dishes? It's making me nervous right now. Did she, did she leave any dishes in there? Uh, y'all, I know I'm not the only one that has left dishes in the sink when I don't play with them. Yeah. I'm weird. I can't do it. But anyways. <laughs> So he has OCD or OCPD. What's it called? Obsessive compulsive personality disorder. OCPD. Mm-hmm. Um, people with this will also feel a severe need to impose their own standards on the outside oh, environment. <laughs> Check. Huh? Yeah. So like he felt like he everyone needed to live by his standards. No, that's of course. I am not like that. Stop. Hallelujah. Praise. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> oh my god. Golly, Rona. Who are you coughing on? You. <laughs> they were going to say that List's diminished mental capacity was brought on by his OCPD. And if that was the case, the charges would be brought down to second degree murder. And like I said, he could be at parole for in as little as 10 years. 
for for killing his OCPD mm-hmm. diagnosis is what made him kill his family. Yeah, he tried those boxes he checked off to kill his family. He did. He did precisely. He did. Mm-hmm. His trial began April second of nineteen ninety. Now this was a big deal. They had to move the trial to a bigger courtroom because it was like I mean, but like it was like still slam packed, even moving the court. Mm. They press that the press were camping out hours before it started. Conan O'Brien was even at the trial. How old was he then? I don't know. In his probably in his twenties, I guess, in nineteen ninety. What he was just there hanging out, or like he was a reporter? He was reporting, I think. Mm-hmm. I think he's a food to me. Oh. I don't you really know much about him. You don't? What, watch don't Google. Watch, your watch Google. Okay. He's a Newspapers were selling out as fast as they were printed. His prosecution's opening statement was simply reading his confession letter. Oh. <laughs> like, okay. here you go. Yeah. <laughs> like, they literally, this was the first time this was ever read word for word out wild. Nice. But, like, that is a powerful statement okay. to read. Power his, move. They read his own confession letter. Here, bitch. Bam. Guilty. Slam down the gravel. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Look. Yeah. Head to jail. You're going I guess prison. <laughs> so for 18 years, this was a hidden letter. Isn't that crazy? Yes. They had found it 18 years prior, but they never released it. Nuts. Miller said in his opening statement that List was drowning under the pressure and really thought he was doing what was right. He told the jury he killed with love in his heart. Wow. Excuse me? That sounds what like an moron. Thank moron. you. About, what, what a for real moron. That's all we need. Yeah. You know? like I was about to say, that really sounds not like it should go in a sentence together. No, no, no. Uh, there uh-uh. were tons of witnesses that testified too. But the biggest thing that came out was Helen's syphilis diagnosis. And now the entire world knew John and Helen had a bad relationship. Like, this was all coming out. Uh-oh. Talking about some dirty laundry being aired on a bun. So, no one had known there was ever a problem except for a handful of people until now. Mm. The whole fight between sides was if John Liz could properly think through his crimes. Mm. So, the prosecution spoke jurors trying to convince them that slaughtering his entire family was a forgivable sin, but suicide was not. Like, let's Come get on. real. Come on. The next question was, could he have reevaluated what he was doing and stopped himself? Like, of course he got up. Yes. Of course he got up. Restructure your checklist, buddy. Erase it. He could have just abandoned them. That would have been better. Yeah, but that was a sin. I don't know. I can't. You're not going to. You're not going to. (laughs) Uh, This is when Stephen Simmering steps in again and testified for the prosecution because John is obviously not going to and he is the next be- next ne- la- 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 next best thing to explaining what was going on through this dude's brain this entire time mm. the psychiatrists that testified for the defense were alan goldstein and sheldon miller all agreed on most of their opinions on list such as um, List was not mentally ill in any serious way, like hearing voices, and that, yes, he did know what he was doing. But the difference came when they argued about whether he could choose not to do it, like whether he had a choice or not, which, of course, we all know he did. But the defense psychiatrist testified saying that he 
would not have been able to change his mind due to his OCPD. So when OCPD, you 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 think of it, you make your mind up, you're going to do it. There's no turning back. Your OCPD is not going to let you go to sleep without washing those dishes. Okay? So that's what they're arguing. This is this is murder. I know. I agree, but I'm just playing. This yeah, is what no, the defense was saying. Yep. So, oh, you're compelling. Uh, thank you. I should be a liar. Um, so Dr. Goldstein said the only way he could have seen to solve the issue at hand was to kill his family members, send them to heaven. Dr. Simmering disagreed. He said List most definitely could have deliberated the outcomes and could have changed his mind. He told the jury he only saw a few options and chose what he felt was best. He chose. His best option. Easiest for him. Precisely. Exactly. He just did a shitty job in choosing. Okay. <laughs> in closing arguments, Eleanor Clark, the prosecutor, called him the hideous angel of death. And he giggled or smirked or something. And she Ew. looked at him and screamed, pointing at him like this. Do you not have any shame, John Emil List? Screaming at him in the courtroom. I would have hollered at him too. I probably would have. Punched him in the head. Yeah. The defense tried claiming in closing for an hour that List could not help what he had done, and people on, with that disorder get me. fixed on certain ideas. Well, yes, but they were saying it was that strong. That was their argument. April 12th, 1990, the jury started deliberating, and people were not expecting the jury to deliberate for so long. They expected this case, like, they were like, this case is literally laid out. Here's his confession letter. There's only one outcome. It was obvious. The whole time they waited, though, the jury sent two to three letters to the judge asking about different definition. Like, they were like, what's the definition? What's the definition? Oh, by the way, we need cigarettes, too. Yeah, come on. <laughs> uh, there was one juror that was on the fence about List's mental state at the time. And you want to know what line in the confession letter finally made the juror come to a decision? Tell me. Quote, originally, I had planned this for November 1st, All Saints Day, but travel arrangements were delayed. I thought it would be an appropriate day for them to get to heaven. It proved he deliberated his crimes. He wrote it down. He said he thought about doing this one week prior, uh-huh. earlier on a very specific day, but was not able to. 18 years. 18 years. And this is all coming out. I just like, I'm like, whoa. So he said he thought about doing it a week earlier. He couldn't. After nine hours of deliberating, on April 13th, there was finally a verdict. Guilty. Five counts of first-degree murder. First-degree. 18 years, and the guy that killed his entire family is finally convicted of murder. 18 years later. So what did he get? What was the sentence? May 1st, 1990 is when the sentencing phase started. Mm -hmm. And since he didn't make a statement or testify in court during the trial, people were curious if he would that day. And lo and behold, he did. Mm -hmm. This was John List's first public statement addressing the entire situation on 1971. And this is what he said. Now, keep in mind, George Ward Harmer said he could, he was literally as cold as ever saying this to the court. So, I'm going to try and do it as monotone as possible. So, don't tune out. I'm not going to be good at it. We're going to try. Acting as John List, quote. I wish to inform the court that I remain truly sorry for the tragedy that happened in 1971 
I feel like due to my mental state at the time, I was unaccountable for what happened. I ask for everyone affected by this for their forgiveness, their understanding, and their prayers. End quote. Before we go any further, you know we have to talk about this statement because how narcissistic of him. Right. First of all, you refer to your murdered like you're like you refer to murdering your entire family, your elderly mother, your wife, your children, no matter how much she hated you. Like you refer to all of this as a tragedy. Like, yeah, bitch, you caused the tragedy. Sir. That, the picture of his dead mother will never leave my brain. It was horrific. Yeah. So But that leads into my next point of like, how dare you ask for forgiveness, prayers, and understanding from those involved? From those involved, sir, you murdered five people that can't give their forgiveness, prayers okay. or understanding. Those are the people that were involved and you took that away. You should have asked them for that while they were alive. And I guarantee you they would have understood they Helen, maybe not so much, but I think the well, children might have. I mean, Helen and Alma would have thought you were a bum brother, but you made your bed, so lie in it, man. Yeah, right. He took the coward's way out and robbed his own flesh and blood of a life. And then had to throw and and just had to throw in there that he wasn't accountable for his actions. Like, of course you weren't. Of course you weren't. Oh, this he's. Of course. I, I mean, you weren't no 50-year-old man who thought for weeks and weeks planning your entire family's annihilation one day and then ran off and started a completely new life as a new dude. No more debts, no more burdens, nothing. You, of course right. you weren't accountable for it. <laughs> Sick. That same day, Judge Wordheimer has said a few things to say himself. Good. Um... So, he called him a man without honor. Okay. Quote, Love it. His acts stand as a permanent, pathetic, and profane example of the potential of man's inhumanity to man. Okay. They will not be soon or easily forgotten. And the name of John Emil List will be eternally synonymous with the concepts of selfishness, horror, and evil. Okay. End quote. Pop off, King. Like, thanks to this dude. Kids had to grow up thinking their dad yes. could kill them. Like, right. like, they had to think about this. They were scared John List was coming back. He was a nightmare to his family and to the community afterwards. And after this statement, John... After this statement, Judge Wertheimer ended it by saying, sentencing him to five consecutive life sentences. Hmm. He said he wanted to make sure that each victim had their own sentence. He made sure he was never going to get out ever again. Now, one more thing you'll be disappointed is about the in is the death penalty because I'm pretty sure everyone is wondering why that wasn't on the table. Yeah. Well, even though this was happening in 1990 and in New Jersey, capital punishment was acceptable for people convicted of murder by lethal injection, actually. Um... They were having to go by laws from 1971 when the crimes happened. And unfortunately for everyone, the death penalty had been outlawed back then. So John List just goes to prison. He said in his American Justice interview, quote, I feel like I got my parole time in before my sentence, end quote. So he's prepared to die there. Yeah, he's like, oh, it's fine. I got my parole time in before. I don't have to live 
parole out. It's fine. I can serve my sentence. Now I lived. I'm fine. I hate I'm old now. I hate him. He enjoyed his job in prison, actually, and said Ew. he felt like he was contributing during his Hang time. On. Let's not give prisoners a job. Prisoners that have done crimes such as these, a job that they enjoy in prison. Okay. Well, Let's and then he goes the toilets, and I don't know, drink the contents. Well, just listen. This is crazy. The rest of us. So he actually said that he felt safer in prison than out in public. And literally said in this interview something like, people are dying out there or getting shot. Like, yeah, caused by you, my dude. Shooting people, you, my dude. <laughs> like, what? He ended up getting diabetes, actually. And oh, he would have to be let... Plus? <laughs> suffer a little bit. Okay. Um, he would actually have to be let out of his cell a certain time every day to get insulin. Well, a cellmate or a friend, whatever, said he would yell if they were even a minute late opening the door. He would say, quote, open 12, you bastards, end quote. The police, or the friend said most of the time the police would just laugh him off after this, too. I was like, oh, okay. you're a joke. Well, as the years went on, his health declined, of course, mm -hmm. um, because demons live quite a long time. Yes. But in most cases... Not forever, thankfully. Okay. Um, he was said to have tachycardia, which is a fast heart rate, high blood pressure, trouble swallowing, and he had cataracts. He voluntarily moved to the medical wing, and then on March 21st of 2008, John List took his last miserable breath at St. Francis Medical Center in Trenton, New Jersey, at the age of 82. God. Ironically, he spent 18 years in prison, the exact amount he spent on the run. And I read an article that no one claimed his body after he died. And they even tried calling Dolores, but their attempts were unsuccessful. Dolores was like, nope. Hell no. Chapter closed. closed. Better not call me. One quick little side bitsy before we close this bad boy down is about Ed Ileana, the drama teacher I was telling you about. Ooh, this is just a little bit creepsy. This guy apparently made some horrible movie called The Patricia List Story, and it was released in 1990. Um, I actually watched it. <laughs> you did? I did. We should um, get that hour back. <laughs> it's, it, I just kind of like skipped through and like watched clips of Low it. Low production quality. It was horrible. <laughs> uh, and I'm actually going to read a Reddit user when they described the movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I really enjoy Reddit, by the Me way. Too. We talked about that. I get, I get, I, I get like other people's opinions. rabbit holes, and yeah, some folks are just crazy. It's oh, like, for sure, but, but some of us I really enjoy cool. it. Me too. And like, you can also find people that were connected to the case. Yes. Were they really though? I think everybody on the internet's lying. Possibly, but I mean, you check everything with a grain of salt. But some stuff is interesting. They, this Reddit user, and I wanted to bring it up because they said they remembered actually renting it when they moved when the movie came out and they were fascinated with the list case and they were living in new so, jersey patricia patty this is about the daughter mm -hmm. okay and so they were gonna rent it because they thought like oh it's gonna be about the list story right. well nj friend nine years ago said this quote the film quality was extremely low budget. It was filmed in 80s porno vision with poor lighting, Goodness. stiff acting, bizarre camera angles. Edit Liano's version of the events was in extreme poor taste. There is a lot of implied sexual t 
tension between him and Patty List and the role in discovering the bodies is melodramatic and overblown. It's really dramatic. Um, anyways, basically, it's really weird, exploitive, exploitative, exploitive, exploitive, sleazy fun. It became a legend in our house as one of the weirdest films we had ever seen, end quote. Mm. Also, in the podcast, it talked about this and how over-theatrical this guy was and, like, what a freaking move like in a bad way like a really bad freaking move hmm. he tried telling the world that there was sexual tension between him a grown-ass man and a 16 year old girl no, dude come on here now Eek. he he stared in this himself too star oh yeah. <laughs> he stared into the film <laughs> <laughs> starred in it this guy's a boob too yeah which like i said is so weird to me also i want like i said <laughs> he stared into that's weird too huh? it's all really strange i'm loving the mood today i really it's really wow it's all weird <laughs> so like i told you earlier i watched a part of this on youtube um, I'll link the entire movie. I'm gonna have to watch at least a minute. Part of it, yeah. Okay. I'll link it in the show notes if you're interested. It literally starts out by saying, this is a film dedicated to all victims, dot, 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 everywhere. Okay. And then how in 1971, John List murdered his family and his daughter reached out to one man for help. This is where it really gets me, okay? This next sentence pops up that reads, quote, this is the story of Ed Iliano. The man who tried. Another narcissist. And super <laughs> creepy music started playing in the background, too. I mean, it's just a really weird film. Like, the opening scene is Ed busting into the police station, extremely worried. Horrible acting. Like, this is Ed himself. Okay. Busting into his police station on Did film. Did this really happen? Like, he walked into the police station and or called them, at least, to, like, in the beginning. Like, in really, yeah. Oh. Yeah. But he didn't bust in here like this, I I'm don't think. I'm going to watch it. It's on YouTube. Saturday night movie. Well, he's, like, super worried about Patty. He claims she would have called if they were going on vacation. He knew something was wrong because she called him about everything, even when she had to go to the bathroom. Like, he literally said that. Excuse me? Mm -hmm. sir mm -hmm. i'm sorry can we investigate this guy for real mm -hmm. then in another scene two friends come in the room and sit on her bed grab two stuffed animals and ask is this bear you call mr iliano is this mr iliano jr as they attack her face with them insinuating she talks about him and had a crush on him like in the movie this is what's happening and this man wrote and produced the movie yes Oh, there's a scene weird. where John sneaks into Patty's room and reads her diary. And in one intro entry in the diary, it said, quote, I think Mr. Iliano is cute, end quote. Like, dude, come on. So distasteful. It's oh not very gosh. good. Then he is driving her in the car in one scene and they're holding hands as they walk to a bench. And she confessed to him that she believed her dad was going to kill her and the entire family. And then it abruptly switched to a Halloween party scene. Yikes. It's weird, man. <laughs> and, like, there's this really creepy scene where Ileana is violently rubbing Pat's legs and then starts touching her. And then, like, they're making out. Like, he's like, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Crotch will reach out. 
Yeah, in her. I mean, yeah, groin. And, yeah, groin. Her crotchal region. The groin, perhaps. Yeah. That is right. horrible. So he was in love with this girl, and like he's he's directing this film and, and acting in this film, reliving his lust, reliving for a like disgusting and very inaccurate, if I say so myself. I mean, it shows Pat calling Ileana begging for him to come over because she doesn't feel well. And then he said he couldn't because he was in the middle of a workshop. And then when they hang up, she starts crying hysterically. And then when she looks up, John is pointing a gun at her face and then shoots. In none of my research does it say no. Pat had time to get home and no. lounge around and call before she was murdered. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Apparently, this self-serving bastard trying to make money off of his students that he was in love with murder and was making out and uh uh, yeah for real and apparently he claims that he called back and asked if pat was around and john answered saying no and she wouldn't be there for class because of a trip so clearly this guy's a freaking nut job but like a serious creeper like you're a grown man's and you're making up about it you're a creep you're you have a fantasy you're you just filmed a fantasy about this dead teenager what's his name let's see if his mother's still alive from what I could find, Ed Ileana was dead. But one more interesting fact before we go is um about the Breeze Knoll, the mansion. Uh the Do you find Sorry y'all, that was the video. Yeah, that's the video. That's the movie. I knew it from I knew that sound anywhere. Um that the Tiffany ceiling I was telling you about that was in the ballroom was like worth a shit ton of money. Like, it's yeah. funny that if List knew what was in his house, he could have been debt-free for a while. Really? Yeah. Well, the spooky fact for you is the original yes. Breeze Knoll actually burned down in a suspicious accident in 1972, a year after the murders. Oh. The electricity was off, and it had been abandoned since the murders, but somehow it burnt down. What about the ceiling? That's how they discovered it, I think, through the um, fire. Dang. But I think they ended up having to rebuild the whole mansion or something anyways. Um, But I'd like to end on a quote by John Walsh when he was talking about where John List was going after death. Uh, Quote, I know damn well he isn't going to heaven. He's going straight to hell where he belongs. Uh End quote. Uh So that was uh, the very, very long talking of me about right the John List day. murders, but wasn't that bananas? Isn't that so a crazy. nuts story? I'm looking, I want to see the ceiling, guys. I mean, dang. These people don't have any pictures. Yeah, that was crazy and that he was found after 18 years. That's why we never give up because these cases can be solved. There is some cases that do get solved after many, many, many years and it's 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 far and few between, but it does happen. Far and few. <laughs> Thank you. I'm trying to use. I'm trying to broaden my vocabulary. Yes. Thank you. Like with our new, like with our <laughs> like with our new saying, uh, "Stay fresh, cheese bags." Yeah. What else did I say earlier? Commission. Com- 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 Sunny. That was good. Oh my god. That was oh good. good. Okay. okay. Stomp on my feet. Stomp. I stomp. I do the okay. And please don't blow your hot breath on me. My dog's breath. I don't know. What does that mean? Her breath does not usually smell like this. She's mind. been blasting me all week. You've been eating other other dogs' poop? It's nasty. 
Oh, it's bad. These so, do we have any funny facts or or anything to state before we uh, let our listeners go today? I don't think so. Um, I want to make some... stickers. Me too. I've been kind of looking into it. I thought we could do like a four pack and sell them. Like, you know, like a, you know, we have a couple of designs. We could do like a four pack of stickers. I've got some girls that do do stuff around here. I just haven't messaged anybody to see because I want a t-shirt. Like, I, Me too. I need and mugs. I want coffee. But I want to do stuff that like we need feedback from y'all for sure. So, like, because we want to. I was going to gonna get you a bag for your birthday with our logo on it. It was so expensive. Yeah. We need to do something in bulk or like wholesale. We also need to know that like our listeners are going to buy it. That's what I'm thinking. So that's why I wanted to start out with. I couldn't even buy my BFF a birthday present. It was too pricey, y'all. We can't be. Well, I'm wondering if we could start out with something small like stickers. I got stickers off Vistaprint for my. No, no, no. We don't need stickers. Oh, I know what we're doing. I know what we're doing. So, for my jewelry business, y'all know I sell jewelry, M. Avery Designs, look it up. Um, no pressure to buy, but I mean, whatever. I'm on Etsy. Anyways, I have a stamp, and I use it for everything. I stamp my bags with it. I stamp stickers with it sometimes. Like, I found some matte stickers, and it's a stamp. I've had it since I started the business in 2020. Two years, same ink pad. That's what we're doing. And they're not expensive. What's the purpose of the stamp? You can stamp it on stuff. Uh, well, I stamp it on bags, like little jewelry bags. bags. I stamp it on everything. Well, I was thinking stickers because, like, look at the front of my laptop. Look, you're not going to stink your laptop. You stamp. Sis, you didn't hear what I just said. You, you I'm buy for our listeners, sweeter. We're, we're not going to sell stamps. You don't know stamps. You buy. What What are stamps? What you stamp stuff on? Little sticky pieces of paper? You can you can buy them a lot cheaper unstamped, and you can buy the stamp, and we stamp them on there ourselves. You still don't get what I'm saying. Uh-uh. I'll show you the stamp. We make our own stamps, basically. Make our own stickers? Stickers. That's, That's why you're confusing the shit out of me. You're not making any sense. <laughs> we make our own stickers. So we're we- not going to sell <laughs> ill nature stamps. Quit sneezing on That's us. what I was like. What are you talking about? No, we make our own <laughs> stickers. It's much cheaper, much more cost effective. Well, let's do it because I have a few ideas and I figure we could start small, small sell stickers like a group, like a three or four pack of stickers for like a dollar or two. Because I feel like that's reasonable. You yeah. Know? And Depending on how much your stamp costs. Yeah, it, it just depends. But, you know, not a lot. And no. that can save up and help get something better like mugs or t-shirts if we put a little bit back for something bigger. But bigger merch, baby. So. I love the merch. I need some good t-shirts. I need a good t-shirt brand. I want new sweatpants. I want good sweat sweats. Sweatsies. Those off Amazon. The little toots. Uh, I got these from Target. I really like these. When'd you get them? A couple, couple like a month ago. I don't have money for shopping, but it's my birthday. I just bought new sweatpants though from Amazon last year for like thirteen bucks. I remember they're quit. awesome. Quit. Anyways, so um, stickers, y'all be on the lookout because or stamps or whatever. Y'all I mean, just you know custom stamps for all your postage, yes, postage that you mail. You never know. <laughs> Jeez, always who mails heavens, heavens. Well, we love you all. As always, you know what to do. Follow us on that Instagram at Electric Pod. 
um facebooky bill nutri podcast is the name of our group and if you're new and you are we're getting a lot of new people lately we are and i don't recognize any of their names i, I haven't either, followed so up like, i always ask Liz, is this your family member you know yeah <laughs> or like reviews we'll get like really cool reviews i'm like uh do you know who this is i'm like no <laughs> thank goodness right but yeah no, we getting, love our family we've been getting a lot of like lots of good feedback and uh, uh engagement yes so but remember to go up. in and fill your stake at Alyssa, Alyssa has it pinned to the top on our facebook yep. is it on our instagram too it's on our instagram it's not pinned but it's on right. our instagram um but and tell us where you're listening from we love to hear that and i look continue, i check like every other day. i do too and of course i'll continue to spread the word like wild flower mm-hmm. we want to just continue to do this we enjoy yes, it so much we, we um you know we, we just want to keep on you know? we love bringing you all the stories so um yeah i think that's about it for today right review subscribe uh-huh on apple podcast podcast which i think is most of where our listeners listen Apple, yeah, for sure. And you, you hit the little mm, check Spotify. mark up top, the little check mark um, to follow us and leave us a review. The reviews really help. Like when you subscribe and review it re- and rate us, like really, really helps. Like, and that's a way to help us without even spending money. Like having right, just helping boost the show and spreading the word. Free, it, it tell your friends. That's awesome. So. Yeah. You can help us without spending money. So. Yes. And we love you. We thank you for listening. Um, And we uh, stay fresh cheese bags. We'll catch you guys on the flip side. Peace.